WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. We have got a big show today with two high profile Democrats representing Charlotte at the local and federal level. Congressman Jeff Jackson sitting in on his first State of the Union address this past week. Ahead, his reaction to some of the president's big plans as he looks to running in 2024. And then a little bit later, we're going to hear from Mayor Pro Tem Braxton Winston about some of Charlotte's big plans to expand transit options here in the Queen City. But first, joining us now, Congressman Jeff Jackson. He represents the new 14th district. It covers parts of Mecklenburg and Gaston counties. Congressman, thanks for coming on and joining us. We appreciate it. Good to see you. All right, so this week you attended the State of the Union. Um, we saw the president get heckled by some Republicans. Some people say the, the president probably got the best of them in, in many circumstances. You tweeted about it afterwards and how sort of uh, weird it was to watch unfold the performative acts aspect of it. Ex explain that to us. Well, I lost a bet right before the State of the Union started. A bunch of the new members were all standing together and someone said, hey, Jeff, um, I bet you that the president is gonna get heckled. And I said, no, nah, I don't think that's gonna happen. The whole House of Representatives is here. The whole Senate is here. The Supreme Court is here. Joint Chiefs, Bono was there. You know, you don't do that in front of Bono. So I said, nah, I think it'll be okay. And I was completely wrong. There was a lot of heckling. It only came from a small handful of people. I wanna be clear. It's not like the entire majority party was doing it. It was really a small handful of people, but it was, especially if you were sitting on the floor, it was very easy to hear and very easy to see who was doing it. And it was just an example of sort of the, the outrage Olympics that a big piece of our politics has become where you got people who wanna win gold in the outrage Olympics. And a good way to do that is to heckle the president while he's given the State of the Union. Because you argued that you felt like he was making some bipartisan proposals that, that should be able to find some co common ground among folks there on Capitol Hill. Well, I don't think there's any question that he was doing that. He was also saying some partisan things. The entire speech was not bipartisan. He was drawing some contrast between two different visions and two different agendas. So I, I understand that people will disagree with some things that he's saying, but most of his speech as he sort of established and laid out was a unity agenda. It was ideas for some things we can do, despite the fact that we have a divided Congress. Big tech, privacy, uh, uh, stuff for young families. There was a lot of stuff in there that would enjoy broad support across the country. Given the, the reaction you saw among some Republican members there, how confident that th are you that you're going to be able to have a productive session of Congress over the next two years and get some meaningful things done? I'm reasonably confident that we can exceed expectations just because of how low expectations are right now. But look, if you're Speaker McCarthy, you have a major incentive to get some things done because he's got a majority. He wants to grow that majority. And the way he does that isn't by tanking the economy over a debt ceiling fight, right? It's by going back to the American people and saying, here are the things we were able to accomplish. So I feel like I'm entering a Congress that could go one of two ways. We could drive this thing straight into the ditch, or we could find some things to work together on. There is a long list of things that has you know, broad support across the country. There's no shortage of issues on which we have common ground. A big piece of this is going to be, yeah, how much freedom does McCarthy have to work with Democrats on anything? Right now, it feels pretty small, but it may grow over time. Now, let's talk Chinese spy balloon. It sort of dominated headlines over the last week. Um, you're on Armed Services Committee now. The U.S. military shooting down the plane. Re Republicans argue that it should have happened 
days earlier. Why do you think they're wrong? Well, not all Republicans are arguing that. You've got some Republicans out there saying that the military, the timeline that they used to shoot down the balloon was the right timeline. I started sort of in the camp of we need to take this down immediately and not really understanding why we didn't. And then, as you said, I'm on the Armed Services Committee. I have the ability to speak to some members of military leadership. And um, I would just say that they educated me about the intelligence advantages to doing to handling it the way that they handled it i guess is what i would say so i started in a place of skepticism about the timeline for their decision making and ended in a place of confidence that they handled this in the the best possible way do you feel like in the future something like this happens again that they need to basically follow the same protocol they did this time not necessarily because it's a it's a little different now that china's on notice that we are going to shoot this down i also cannot imagine and part of what's so disturbing about this isn't just that that it happened it's that some military leadership in china thought that this was a good idea when this was just an incredibly dumb idea on their part they had to know we were going to detect this thing and that we'd have every political incentive in the world and military incentive to shoot it out of the sky if they do it again that is a terrible sign about their willingness to their susceptibility, I guess I would say, for engaging in miscalculation. It would be just a, a, an unbelievable miscalculation for them to try this stunt again. Being that you've spoken to members of the military, do you have a better sense for what these balloons are, are capable of? I mean, we, we heard balloon and we're like, OK, a balloon. But do you have a better sense of, uh, of just high tech these things are or not? I, I do have a better sense of that at this point, and I think that the entire public will have a better sense of that um, sooner rather than later. We mentioned that you were representing the 14th district created by the population growth here in North Carolina, but it's created by the state Supreme Court in an order that they did. What happens to to your seat going down the road in, in, in the next session? I imagine it gets redrawn. The state Supreme Court just shifted parties. So now it's the majority of the state Supreme Court is the same as the majority party in the state legislature. The state legislature gets to redraw the map. And so now they're probably thinking to themselves, they have less of a judicial problem and more of a blank check to sort of draw the map to their heart's content. And I imagine they'll try some version of that. There may be a federal judicial backstop, but we have yet to see. Uh, you mentioned in your newsletter about meeting uh, an infamous member of Congress. Those are my word, infamous. Uh, you don't give a name, uh, but you walk away saying like you were really impressed by this person, even though the, the person's reputation is completely goes against what you experienced yourself. Yeah, look, I can't condone someone who has invented a persona. That's not an ethical way to conduct yourself as an elected official. This person clearly did that, and it was obvious from speaking with them, and they were even I mean, they even said things to that effect in the conversation. It opened my eyes to the extent to which there are there are those deliberate constructions of personas in order for some type of political consumption or some type of media consumption. And I sort of realized I need to set my assumptions aside about everybody, because while they may have personas, they also are individual people. And sometimes you can work with an individual person when you look at the persona and think I could never work with that. There are still individual people beneath that persona with which you will have some common ground on some policy issues. I assume you're not going to name the person. I'll, I'll name it wasn't Santos. That's all okay, I'll tell not, you. <laughs> although you, you did see him as well, I saw. Um, let me put you on the spot. Do you think President Biden should run again? 
Yes, he won the last time. He's our best bet of winning the next time. And final question, your biggest surprise one month being into Congress. How many good people are there who I didn't even know existed? When I started running, I wrote down a list of names of everyone who I just knew existed in the House. It was fewer than 30 people. So I didn't know 90% of the people there. I've met a ton of people there on both sides of the aisle who are real experts in what they do and what they care about. And that, I wish more Americans could see that. There are people you don't even know exist up there who are doing good work. Made a name for himself as a uh up in, uh, in Raleigh as a state lawmaker there, now doing the same or something similar at least um, up in our nation's capital. Congressman Jeff Jackson. Congressman, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Good to see you. All right, take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Charlotte City leaders trying to move forward with big plans for transit here in Charlotte. Council now trying to figure out the best way to fund a $13.5 billion transit plan. And now they need help from state lawmakers in Raleigh to get a key referendum on the ballot. Joining us now, Charlotte Mayor Pro Tem, the new Pro Tem we should add since his last visit to Flashpoint, Braxton Winston. Braxton, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ben. Good to see you. Good to see you as always. All right, so this week, um, members of City Council hearing about plans to revitalize the transportation center up down. I know you guys have decided to move it underground. Um, big plans to add dozens of restaurants, sharp shops there in the heart of Uptown. The consultants I think that you guys heard from uh, had the idea of branding these sort of developments, these districts, and could bring in a $137 million. I just want to get you on the record. Do you think that's feasible? What do you think of this plan? I absolutely think it's, it's feasible. I think it's a good plan or it's a good start of a plan. Uh, and, and I think it's a good approach. You know, as we're entering um, new phases of public-private partnership, um, we, of course, are trying to figure out how to best utilize um, the, the resources that those um, uh, public-private partnerships um, provide. Um, when we look at our, our transit investments, and um, uh, especially in our uptown area, we're trying to we're always trying to figure out how to make, uh, give the best utility for people to, to use. Um, so when we look at uh, uh, the, the future of the CTC, uh, the Spectrum Center, uh, the, the, the epicenter that is close by that is going to be reimagined in the, the, uh, the, the massive investments that have been made on, on the gold line, how do you squeeze the most juice um, out, out of that? Um, and I think um, this, uh, this entertainment district, um, this cultural district, uh, this transit district um, is, is a wonderful approach. Uh, last week, Charlotte City Council Transportation Chair Ed Driggs was, was on the show, and he said he doesn't think the city will be able to get that one-cent sales tax referendum on the ballot this November. He just doesn't think that there's enough agreement among stakeholders, you guys, folks up in, in, in Raleigh. Do you think that's a, a fair assessment? Because I know there were hopes that it could happen this year. Well, again, another thing about the, the transit district, right, is it brings an innovative approach to revenue building, right? Um, uh, th again, this is something that we have to figure out. Uh, we, we know we have limited options um, to, 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 to generate revenue and new revenue. Um, to invest in transit, 
Um, but we, so we have to keep uh, being innovative. Um, you know, I, I, when it comes to the one cent sales tax, you know, uh, like I've said in the past, we have to look folks in the eye and tell them what we want and why we need uh, the things that we want and how that works, um, not just on a city level, um, but on a regional level and on, on a state level. Um, you can't imagine that, uh, uh, you know, that these new concepts are going to uh, just happen at a snap of a finger. Uh, these are conversations that are going to have to be worked on um, uh, and, 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 and massaged out over time. Um, but just because people are might not be there yet, that 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 sh that is even more reason um, why we should start that conversation to generate that revenue uh, to inform and engage about why uh, this is actually necessary. I have high confidence um, that we will get there because at the at the end of the day, um, the Charlotte region is the economic lungs of this state, um, and and there's a, there is an interest in in this state to keep people and goods moving in and through Charlotte, and at the end of the day i don't think um, um people will will sabotage that once they um understand that um as mayor pro tem and a leader there on city council where do things stand with this plan this 13.5 billion dollar plan because it doesn't seem like there's been i'm sure there's behind the scenes pro progress being made but but at least uh, to all of our eyes, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of progress being made. We had Tim Moore on the show back a month or so ago. Uh, he's recently expressed sort of skepticism about the plan, as you know. Um, so where do things stand as far as getting the stakeholders in this thing um, engaged and actually making some progress? Well, we have work to do. Um, like you said, there are uh, a, a, a ton of, uh, uh, there's a ton of work to do, whether it be behind the scenes or in public forums. I was just meeting with the mayor and um, um, commissioner up in Cornelius this this week, and we were talking about the needs and and, and level setting of, 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 of how our, our infrastructures in, or don't right now and need to work together um, in in the in the future. So um, you know, at the end of the day, nobody can deny that we need better sidewalks. Um, uh, we we need more transportation options in more places, whether that be bus, whether that be rail, whether that be walking, whether that that be biking. Um, you, you know. Uh, the, the, the current status is, 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 is not okay. But I will say, um, uh, I think it starts with our city council um, and we have some work to do to, to uh, uh, provide a clear um, path forward um, and a clear consensus about uh, what our priorities are um, uh, and, 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 you know, so, so that's really what I'm focused on right now, um, is, is how do we get a, a, a clear message through with city council? So even though we might have different approaches and ultimately we might have different priorities as we look, um, at this, at this entire city, um, that, that we're able to, 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 uh, bring a clear message, uh, to the community, um, to our partners, um, in, in those conversations, whether they be, um, behind the scenes or, or in public forums. Would you be okay with the idea that's been floated about front-loading the plan by focusing on expanding roads first? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm for for getting dirt moving because, <laughs> again, you know, I, I'm down here in Steel Creek right now, and um, and, and, and and the issues that we have are that we don't have the local road net, uh, networks um, to facilitate uh, good movement in, in in rush hours or or, or throughout the day. Um, we have one of the worst road networks of all major cities, whether that be in America or all across the world. We have to fix 
that. Um, uh, we have solutions that can, that can uh, uh, we have solutions for problems that are on the ground right now. We know that we have hundreds of, of miles of, of sidewalks uh, that, that need uh, to, to be created or improved. Um, and, and I don't want to wait, <laughs> you know, uh, for a decade to, to get um, um, dirt moving uh, when we, we have problems uh, that have solutions um, th that can be started now. What would your message be to Republican lawmakers in Raleigh? Uh, my, my message is that there, there is common ground here, that this is not a political uh, debate. Um, this is honest, honestly not even an urban-rural divide uh, debate. Uh, what we need to do is get back to the history of North Carolina um, and the history of, of, of our urban areas like Charlotte, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, and Raleigh uh, that, that created an economic engine for, for those uh, uh, rural places in the South to bring our goods that can be processed and sold on the market throughout the rest of this country and the rest of the world. Uh, we've done this, these things before, um, uh, you know, uh, that's why Charlotte exists. Uh, it's been a logistical place to move goods in and through. Um, and if so, if we want to take, uh, uh, make most of our, our port in Wilmington in, in the 74 corridor, uh, if we want to make um, uh, the, the best use of our 85 corridor, um, uh, 95 and 77, um, we're going to have to make those infrastructure investments uh, to, again, keep these economic lungs of, 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 of the state clear um, so that investment and, and, and those resources can be spread throughout the state. Final question, more about you than it is an issue. Um, at this point, I think our viewers, and most people know your, your, your story. Um, you, you came to be known back in 2016 as, as a, a protester during uh, racial unrest here. Concerned citizen, a concerned Charlotte. citizen. Concerned citizen, no, that's fair, that's fair too. Um, ran for council, um, did really well, uh, then became mayor pro tem last year. Um, what future plans do you have, if any? Well, my future plans is to get uh, this uh, in investment made in our transportation and, and, and transit uh, uh, system so that we can, again, have the generational shifts that, that are needed to provide uh, an affordable and equitable community, uh, whether that's in the city, um, uh, this region, or, or the entire state. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. Um, we're proud of the work that we did up and through the election last year. Um, and I'm looking forward to um, uh, uh, taking a page of, out, out of that book to, to, to keep um, working it and moving forward. Would you have any interest in being mayor one day? I, I'm in, interested in uh, being a city council member um, uh, and at large and, and, and working through this mayor pro tem responsibility that I have. Anything other than that, like I said, is, is going to be uh, would be made in a decision is going to be made in concert uh, with what is best um, um, for, for my family. Understandable. Understandable. All right, Braxton Winston, thanks as always. We appreciate it. All right, Ben. Have a great day. All right, you too. More Flashpoint after this. Now to a Where's the Money investigation on some city leaders. The mayor of Charlotte and a city council member paid their delinquent tax bills this week after WCNC Charlotte discovered they failed to pay their property taxes from last year. And as our Nate Morbier uh, tells us, a third council member said he will soon do the same. Fittingly, we discovered these late payments on the same day the city council held its first budget workshop. All three told us their failure to pay was not intentional. 
you have to begin to look and say what's most important. Because Not long before Mayor Vi Lyles took the microphone during Thursday's budget workshop, she paid a roughly $950 delinquent tax bill for a rental property she owns. Through a spokesperson, the mayor thanked WCNC Charlotte for bringing this to her attention and added, she has a property manager who should have handled this. Also around that time, council member Tariq Bakari paid a $7,680 delinquent tax bill for his home, which he said he refinanced last year. After WCNC Charlotte reached out, Bakari said he confirmed with his lender the automatic escrow wasn't properly set up during the refinancing process, telling us that's being set up now. He added, thanks for the heads up. The county says this refi situation happens all the time. Council member James Mitchell also blamed an oversight for a delinquent tax bill for one of his cars. He owes $150, according to tax records, and told us, I'll make sure I take care of it next week. And here's how it works. If you make your payments before January 5th, you don't have to pay interest. In each of these cases, they all had to pay extra money. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint coming up after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Folks, come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If there's something you want us to cover, talk about here on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.